my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, my ass. Who this nigga up on that nail? Oh, Stephen, you have nails for breakfast. What's the matter? Why you so honored? You miss me, huh? Oh, yes, sir. I, I miss you like a like a hog miss flop, like a <laughs> like a, a baby miss mammy titty. <laughs> I miss you like I misses a rock in my shoe. <laughs> now, I asked you, who this nigga on that nag? It's Snowball. Wanna know my name or the name of my horse? You ask me. That's who the hell you calling Snowball, horse boy? I'll snatch your black ass off that nag down here in the mud so fast, make no head. Steven, 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 Steven. Let's keep it funny. Django here's a freeman. This nigga here? That nigga there. Let me at least introduce the two of you. Django, this is another cheeky black bugger like yourself, Steven. Steven, this here's Django. You two ought to hate each other. Calvin, just who the hell is this nigga you feels the need to entertain? Django and his friend in gray here, Dr. Schultz, are customers. And they are our guests, Steven. Who is that nigga on that neck? Man. Django Unchained, one of the craziest movies, man, I've ever seen, man. Real, real. But, hey, man, thank y'all for tuning in to Tales from the West 15. It's your boy, Cheese Hollow. Y'all enjoy some of this good music that we finna have. And uh, y'all sit tight for this episode. Yeah, this your boy Cheese Hunter. 
coming to y'all on Tales from the West 15 podcast. I thank y'all for uh tuning in with me, listening with me today, man. I um I would like to ask and uh uh, let all y'all know that if anyone, anyone wants to join this podcast and help me out, if y'all got any interesting takes over history, society, just anything, you know, religion, spirituality, if y'all got dating advice, anything, we pretty much pretty open at this point right now because we're really just digging deep. But, uh, Tales from the West One Five podcast is definitely about storytelling, and it's about that 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 special neighborhood. And as time go on, we'll uh, open that back up. But just right now, man, just to get any traffic coming into the uh, podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, today, I wanted to talk about uh, some some history that happened around the Civil War. That you know has kind of been on my mind for a while now, and uh, I, I, I'm starting to learn more about the story as time go on, and and I'm understanding about this uh, revisionist history that uh, takes place. And I know the guy uh, Malcolm uh, Gladwell, I believe that's his name. Uh, he. I guess coined it or started it or something like that. I know he's pretty popular with his podcast or whatever. I've listened to a couple of them and I've learned a lot from him uh, on those type of topics. But I I really uh, feel like the history that we're going to go over today in this podcast really has a lot to do with uh, what's kind of going on with us today and now I'm speaking for us, us meaning the black community. I know people say we don't have a community anymore. I know all the little sayings and all the regurgitated bull that you know we tend to spit out with that defeated attitude that we have at times, me included. But hey, what can you say for for people that have been beat up for forever? You know, hey, we done done some beating on other people too, so. We ain't going to get into all that. So, yeah, it ain't going to ever go that way, you know, where I'm just blaming everybody else for, you know, it's always self-help for everybody. But, yeah, this story is uh, geared definitely towards the black community and uh, some of the things I think we really need to pay attention to by understanding maybe the mentality of the people that's involved. Not just understanding the mentality, the mentality, but also breaking down some of the characteristics and some of the traits of the mindset of the people that's involved in this story. And then that can kind of give us a compass, a somewhat of a barometer on our mindset today. And if we took these stories seriously, the way we did back in ancient times when we taught the whole world uh, technology, when we built the pyramids, when we were able to uh, teach the world the uh, calculations of the uh, planets and the stars, and we were able to um, cultivate the land, and we knew the weather, and you know we knew all these uh, particular technologies by stories. That were passed down because, you know, books weren't always here. So, you know, 
The first printed book was by Gutenberg, and that was off in Germany. And I want to say that was in the 1400s, or right before Christopher, you know, took his uh, voyage. But yeah, man, it's your boy Cheese Hunter, and uh, the name of this podcast is the um, the history of the Ebenezer Massacre that happened uh, during the Civil War. And uh, the Ebenezer Massacre, Ebenezer Creek Massacre, excuse me, y'all. Uh, Ebenezer Creek Massacre was uh, an event that took place on December the 9th, uh, 1864, uh, right outside of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, like 20 miles away from uh, Savannah, Georgia. And it was during the Civil War, and uh, it was when uh, uh, William T. Sherman, the uh, famous Union general, had uh, swept through uh, Georgia and made it howl. I remember he had the uh, famous uh, phrase that he coined that he wanted to make Georgia howl. So, or he wanted to burn Atlanta down. You know, it was something like that. But yeah, this is where that story is coming from. It is it's centered straight into the Civil War. So, I mean... It don't get no more American history than that. So uh, the revisionist part, uh, really not too focused on trying to just change things, but really understand things. And um, I got my little parts that where I could tell you uh, what I feel was uh, inaccurate or what I felt felt was accurate. I know I had got some information from this author. I don't. I want to get her name right. She had wrote a book over the Ebenezer Creek Massacre. And I want to say her name was, uh, I know her last name was Bolden. I don't know if it was, uh, I'm not going to even guess with her last name. Let me get a second, child, and I'm going to try to pull up this author that she wrote a nice piece on this uh on this story. I'm sorry about that, y'all. I, I'm going through my other phone and I'm trying to... Yeah, her name was Tanya Bolton. Tanya Bolton wrote a book on the uh, December the 9th, the 1864 massacre at Ebenezer Creek. Yeah, on the march to Savannah where uh, thousands of African-American families perished under a bridge. I mean, it was estimated that it was about 5,000 to 10,000 people that died on that day. Now, you do have an eyewitness account from a, a, union, a union soldier, and I, I want to say his name is Connolly, and uh, I want to get that right also. But he was... Uh, I think he was under uh, Sherman. Now, mind y'all, the, the the fact that uh, the fact that they call this a massacre is something that I really want to look at. Yeah, I think his yeah John Connell, John Connell, I think was the. Uh, Connell, Connolly, yeah, he gave an eyewitness account because he was there when the, they uh, let the bridge, because they had a bridge 
that they uh, set up to cross at Ebenezer Creek. And they done it under the cover of darkness. And they did not tell those 10,000 Afro- African-Americans or 5,000 African-Americans. I mean, they're not pretty, they're not real sure on the actual census of the actual, uh, the actual census of the people. But you had an eyewitness account, which he gave his statement uh, 20 years later. And I think his name was James Connell. But yeah, Tanya Bolden had wrote a book called, you know, The Massacre of Ebenezer Creek. Now, once you get to the heart of the story, the story really didn't take place without uh, Stanton, which was the Secretary of War uh, in uh, President Lincoln's cabinet. Now, Stanton had made a special uh, trip to uh, Georgia to check on uh, General Sherman. Because, you know, the people of the South didn't like General Sherman. He came with a lot of tension. He came with a lot of heat and fire. And that's why he was talking about just burning Georgia up. I mean, it was really bad. I mean, the rhetoric that was going back and forth between the Confederate states and the Union states. Especially when it came to General Sherman. Because, I mean, the guy, he had one of those type of, like, I would say like Rambo type of attitudes. You know, dude was kind of kick-ass. You see what I'm saying? In my white boy turn, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't play too much. And, you know, he, he really spoke his mind and he was real, uh, fluid in, in his beliefs. And I mean, he was stern. I mean, he even has some quotes to where he say, war is so nasty and ugly. Let everybody gone go through it. So they, they won't want to do it again. So when you look at something like that, like, yeah, this man here, like, he done seen a lot of blood and guts on the battlefield. But anyway, y'all got to picture this. This is the Civil War. You got all these blacks that had just become free. General Sherman is coming through with the Union Army. I mean, kicking ass, burning down the whole South, massacring the Confederate Army. And now he got... 10,000 black people following him as he left through Georgia begging for food, begging for shelter, begging for clothing. That's how we end up getting the reparations that was given out. And I didn't even know that some was given out. But yeah, reparations was given out by uh, William T. Sherman. During the Civil War and during this crisis. Now, let's go back to when I told you the Secretary of War, which I think his name was Edwin Stanton. He was uh, in Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's cabinet. Uh, Stanton came down with a big question for Sherman. Also, he wanted to make sure Sherman was behaving because, like I say, he was a Rambo type white boy, hothead. which I love. I love my white brothers and white brothers that's like that. But uh, he was also trying to see what were they going to do with these thousands and thousands of free black people because that ain't never been a question. And then one of the main things that kind of really just touched me was they said when Stanton arrived in Georgia, he said, They said, other sources said, 
this was the first time they had ever posed a question to actual blacks. What do y'all want to do? So in 1864, these uh, newly free slaves in Georgia were able to start writing their own destiny at that time. I mean, y'all let that sink in, man. And then now when we really look at Georgia, now look at Georgia in this present day and time. I mean, woo, I ain't for the say nothing on some of the cultures. But anyway, look at Atlanta. I mean, very prominent. Black people are very prominent. They own a lot. I mean, like they say, it's the new Motown, like the new superstars, black superstars. They moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, Georgia had a head start on a lot of stuff, man. And I mean, this is some Georgia history, too. So, man, people out there in Georgia, if y'all got people in Georgia, man, shoot them this podcast. But, yeah, we're going to stick back to the subject. And the subject is, y'all, the Ebenezer Creek Massacre that happened December the 9th, 1864, near Savannah, Georgia. I mean, this is some strong stuff. Like, look, I mean, Quando Rondo from Atlanta, I mean, Savannah, Georgia. James Brown from Savannah, Georgia. I mean, you know, you got, I think, Big Boy from Outcast is from Savannah. Like, you got some real, so, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look in that area, man. That's some, that's some prominent people, man. That's some intelligent, uh, life-changing people, man. I mean, and, uh, so, I mean, when you look at that history, I mean, that kind of, Makes you say, hmm. So, I uh, I definitely uh, recall some of the things that uh, General Sherman did. Because when Stanton, the Secretary of uh, War, came to see uh, General Sherman, it was all about the question on what to do with these Negroes. Because they ain't never had that many free blacks. Like, I mean, wow. Like, you had Negroes everywhere. So they coined them as refugees at that point. Now y'all look at Katrina. Remember the the, the, the language that was being used? The rhetoric that was being used was refugee. And the language that was being used in 1864 for the newly free blacks in uh, Atlanta or in Georgia was refugee. And this is another thing sticking to that and, and staying on that, that, that group, you know, and what the question was all about, like what to do with them. They didn't know what to do with them. Okay, man, let's, let's, let's really ponder on this. It's 1864. You ain't got no internet, man. You ain't got no computer. You ain't got no... I don't think you had cars and stuff. You had carriages. You had horses. You know? I think trains was out. I think... Yeah, trains was out. We had trains and planes, I think. I mean, I don't know. But... I mean, I wouldn't know what to do with... And that's the thing. The black people didn't even know what to do with themselves. So how are we going to look at these these couple of white brothers and sisters to be able to know what the hell they're going to do with us? 
That's crazy. So when that is centered, that is the center. That is the big piece of this whole story. So if that's the center of the Ebenezer Creek Massacre, how is it a massacre? Now we could probably say, is it a massacre because of the trickery? Because going back, y'all, it was a plan that was devised to separate all those refugees. It was up from 5,000 to 10,000 of them. It was a plan devised, and they did it under the cover of night. Just like old boy did when he, when he ran off with that football team. Art Modell, he did it at night. Early in the morning. Burn out on them. Burn out on them, boss. They, by the time they wake up and get some coffee, you already in your office in the new city. Yeah, so that's what they did. And I think the bridge was called like a, a pl platoon, platon bridge. So it was a bridge that you can, uh, a bridge that you could uh, let out and uh, manually, manually, and then dismantle it, whatever. <laughs> Excuse me, y'all get tired. I mean, but I like the rawness. My voice ain't perfect, but I mean, I respect my voice. I hope y'all do too. I respect his imperfections also, and I and I love it. But anyway, getting back onto the story, yeah, the bridge. They had a bridge that they connected over the Ebenezer Creek, and this bridge was able to be dismantled. And they waited to a certain time so they could dismantle the bridge. So couldn't a Negro cross. Because the, I mean, you got, okay, just say you got 8,000. You got 8,000 Negroes following your army. And you can't feed 8,000 Negroes, man, and your 10,000 man army. And I don't know if y'all know this, but also the Confederate army wasn't dead at that time, y'all. The Confederate army was still uh, recovering. They was off in Little Rock uh, regrouping. They was definitely regrouping. Uh, General uh, Robert E. Lee, they was regrouping in Tennessee. They was regrouping in South Carolina, which I think the Union had took South Carolina at that time, though. But it was pockets of South Carolina. They were still regrouping, and then also it was a band. It was a uh, it was a it was a band of scouts that was uh, doing guerrilla warfare on Sherman. Even though Sherman was kicking kicking tail, going through Georgia. I mean, the Confederates, man, they even had a band of scouts doing guerrilla warfare. So they were still blowing up shit. Blowing up black folks too, shooting them too. And them black folks could have went right over there and started a whole new life. And that's the thing when I talk about the mentality. Now let's talk about that mentality. Like what I mean, they they were on the jobs before. Yeah, your boss man is a Confederate soldier now. Because the South and the North is fighting. So yeah, your boss man gone. So now because your boss man gone, you, you can't work now? You done forgot how to do the work? Because the boss man ain't there? 
I know that's a lie. I used to love when my boss man leave. I still that didn't make me that didn't make me forget my work or forget my task or that didn't make me forget what I was doing. I could still perform my duties without him being there. And I know I'm not, I mean, I'm not the smartest man in the world. I ain't the dumbest either. And I know in 1864, those Negroes in Georgia, they weren't dumb either. I don't care what you say. Them guys built this country. Them the same guys. Them guys. All them guys. White men, Mexican men, black men, all built this country back then. Everybody had played their part. But the Negroes played the bigger part. We just got to give it what it was. We were in slavery. The niggas' labor was free. They worked longer and harder than anybody else. Them was the same hands and the same minds that built the country. So you mean to tell me now both men tell you to just go and you free. It ain't nothing up there. You can't make a tent. You can't make a shed. You can't find a way to travel to another part of the country. I mean, what's going on? And the thing what makes me get on that point was like, because, the, I mean, it was multiple sources. It wasn't just General Sherman saying this. It wasn't just the Connolly soldier saying this. It, everybody was saying it. The Confederates, everybody knew it. It wasn't no secret. Them 10,000 Negroes were following them, were following them white men, begging for food. Bootlicking. That's all it is. Boot licking. Boot licking and begging. Cooning. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, I ain't, you know, I ain't trying to, and I don't want that to be harsh. I mean, because I know that's like an acronym for the consciousness of the oppressor within the Negro. And that's just a consciousness. That's a state of mind. I mean, until I was, uh, until I became educated and versed off in particular subjects, only then could I see my coonish uh, behaviors and mindsets at a younger age. But trust me, I ain't no big got that up out of me. No, sir. No, sir. But yeah, that's a, uh, that's another that's another podcast. That's another topic. That's another podcast that. But I mean that mentality to just, you know, follow this army and big. I mean, the way they were talking, uh General Sherman had fed them for months during his campaign. And he marching towards the, the eastern coast. I mean the, the, this coast. I think they call it the Sea Coast, the Southern Coast, some coast. And he can't keep feeding them because he's he's getting further away from cities and civilization. 
So now they got to eat on their little packs and they got to eat what's in their pails and, you know, the stuff they hunt. And keep, like, so, I mean, I just can't, I can't, I just can't see it. I can't see. Okay, so if you said it was 10, if they, okay, they, if they're saying it was 10,000 Negroes. I mean, out of them 10,000 Negroes, it had to be 3,000 black men inside that equation or 2,000 black men. I couldn't just, come on, brothers. These black men ain't going fishing. They can't go get a rifle and hunt. I mean, you got dead consent, Confederate, uh, excuse me, but you had empty cities. General Sherman had just, I mean, ravished uh, Georgia. You got empty cities. I'm pretty sure you had guns everywhere. Y'all ain't hunting rabbits. I mean, y'all ain't. I mean, y'all ain't laying no trap for no hogs. But I know some of them were, and that's the revisionist part of this. I know some of them were, because I did run across a picture, uh, and it was about twelve black men, and they say the picture was taken in uh, eighteen sixty-five, but it was to give an example and an account for what they call contraband. Because within them refugee camps, you would have a band of brothers that would go off on their own. I'm sure of that. Ain't nobody told me that. I ain't read that at all, y'all. That's just something I'm coming up with. Because I know, I know, I know me. I know my people. I know us. We, I know, I know, I know black men. I'm a black man. We're not going to just, I be, we're not going to just big like that. Not all of us. Some of us, we, I mean... We not, yeah, we cut from a certain cloth now. But yeah, this hurt me to my heart, man, this Ebenezer Creek massacre. Because what it was all about was at a point in time, they had to cut them Negroes off. They couldn't keep feeding them. And I couldn't just see them black men, you know, begging them white men to feed them. I'm not saying I like that, but just, you know I mean, yeah, saying it like, I mean, not in a bad way, y'all. Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. I just can't see it like that. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's horrible. But anyway, uh, yeah, December the 9th, they, uh, crossed and the army had got all their stuff and, uh, I knew that they wouldn't be able to hold that a secret because come on, man, them blacks was following them. So I know how, I mean, they following you. I know they looking at everything them uh, white people were doing. So that army and none of that could do, I mean, them union soldiers could not do anything without somebody stirring them dead in the mouth because that's where them niggas was getting their food from. Excuse my language. That's where them Negroes was getting their food from. Uh, but yeah, we about to get ready to wrap this up. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dive real deep into this because this kind of got me. I'm, I, I done got a little hot, man. I done got a little hot doing this. So I was like, I ain't mad, I ain't upset, man. But man, I'm pumped up, man. Like, man, what was going on? Like, I just, man. All right, so let me get back on course, y'all. Let me let my emotions go down just a little bit. 
I'm a very passionate man, very passionate, especially when you're talking about humans and uh, nature and, you know, we all connected, man. When you start talking about these uh, these uh, sensitive topics like that, I don't get upset. I don't get angry. I get passionate. Yeah, because this is real. But anyway, going back to it, uh, they did tell, they lied. As sources did say, they lied because they did tell the Negroes that they were going to let them cross at a particular time that morning. But they just took the bridge on down while they were on it. So that part is also could be where they're getting the massacre from. Because, I mean, it was a murder. It was a killing. So, yeah, you could say massacre because they did, you know, trick them and then take the bridge away. But, man, what could they, you know, they couldn't find nothing else to do. I mean, man, that's, I mean, that's before Hitler. I mean, the, the Ebenezer Creek Massacre, that's before Hitler. That's, I mean, that's almost like some, the Jewish question, man, with Hitler and the Holocaust, man. 10,000, man. That's kind of big, man. That's kind of big. But then to just, you know, put that bridge on there and then lie to him and then take the bridge away and kill him like that. Now, that that ain't that wasn't called for either. That was not called for either. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not upset about that. I'm not upset about it. The only thing that gets me and got me a little hot, like I said earlier, was what was them black men doing? I just hope it wasn't no black men just leading their family onto that. Now, that's the part. That's the part. Yeah. Now that hurts. So now I want to flip it and bring it all the way back to here and now. Like what if uh what if our white brothers and sisters just told us to go up there to them jobs and get the work done? I wonder will we do it. I wonder if they say they they all move into a certain part of the country and I wonder will we all follow them again? That's a question. I mean, y'all send me a message on what y'all believe. And I'm gonna be honest right now. I know I wouldn't, and I know it's a whole bunch of, you know, strong you know, independent, you know, black African-Americans out there, Afro-Americans out there in America that wouldn't do it. I know it's a lot of us. I know it's about a million of us that wouldn't do it. We'll go to a whole nother planet and, you know, and just if we can't make it, we just can't make it. But we're not just going to follow no other race like that, you know. Because come on, man, the Mexican man, he take care of his business. The Asian man take care of his business now. We all together now. We all love each other, but we're different, and that's okay. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We all play our part here, and that's why I say it ain't good to coon because you're taking away. What if I start trying to act like a white man? I can't act like a white man. I can't be like a white man. We need real white men here. We need white men. You, you know, you know what this earth would look like without white men. This motherfucker would look bad. 
You know what it would look like without black men. It wouldn't have no, it wouldn't be no life. You know what it would be like without Asian men? We wouldn't have shit. You know what it would be like without Mexican men and Indian men and all the other. You know what it would be like without them and without the Indians? We wouldn't survive without the Mexicans and the Indians. Come on, man. We all need each other. We all play our own Pacific uh, perfect roles. Okay? And then no other race have to worry about some of those things. But boy, when it, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. But boy, we got that special relationship. <laughs> Black and white. It's special, boy. Yeah, man. But uh, I don't want no one to take this podcast in the wrong way. I'm not uh, spearing no hate at all. Hell no. We got to love all of each other. But we all have to remain different. And it's okay for my white brothers and sisters to go live by themselves. I know they don't want y'all niggas around them. Hell, sometimes I don't want y'all around me. <laughs> it's okay. They deserve breaks. I mean, it's just real. I mean, it's just, I don't know how real I can get. But yeah, man, I just started ran. But this is, yeah, the Ebenezer, about the Ebenezer Creek Massacre and uh, what happened during the Civil War. And, you know, that massacre to where those uh, people were uh, drowned. You know, they say some drowned, you know, some was eaten by alligators. You know, it's it's different types of, because they say that the, the waters was infested with crocodiles and alligators and things like that. So I didn't really want to even touch on that because that ain't what this about. This is more about, you know, just the mentality, what really happened and uh, how does it look for us today? How do we look today? And like I say, man, y'all send me a message on my, the question is like if our white brothers and sisters all decided to just move to a certain part of the uh, earth, will we follow? I think majority of the black people on this, yeah, they'll follow. It's just due to that subservient little part. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to really call it, but that's that's going kind of deep. But that's also connected to that. That's what that was, man. Them Negroes could not stop following and begging for food. They couldn't stop following that Union Army. And that's just what that is. So now, I'm just I mean, that's just that's the whole part of it but yeah man we'll dive deep into that again i'm gonna uh get off of here i mean i've been going for a while now i mean if y'all listen to the whole thing i appreciate y'all listening uh definitely send me some messages man y'all reach out to me man and uh y'all take care man and uh one love and this is uh cheese hunter and uh it's five reasons why i do it thank y'all The field Negro was beaten from morning till night. He lived in a shack, in a hut. 
He wore cast off clothes and he hated his master. I say he hated his master. He was intelligent. That house Negro loved his master. But that field Negro, remember, they were in the majority. 